Best of Times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana, celebrating age and maturity, helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The Best of Times, your host, Gary Kaligas. Good morning, radio listeners. I'm Gary Kaligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only magazine for mature adults in northwest Louisiana. Thank you for tuning in to our show today. and Also, thanking those who might be listening via the Internet at www.710keel.com. Also, thanking those who might be listening via the Radio Pulp application and the Keel application on their Apple and Android devices. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn if now is the time to start your own business. So stay tuned to the show for some very interesting information from an internationally known consultant. It is Saturday, October the 10th, and we are broadcasting our show from the studios of News Radio 710 Keel, a town square media station here in Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show has been pre-recorded, so we will be unable to accept call-in questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Be sure to pick up the October issue of the Best of Times at one of our 270 distribution locations. We thank you for the many compliments about our magazine. We do appreciate hearing from you. Remember, if you're unable to find a copy of our magazine at one of our distribution locations, please visit our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view both current and past issues of our magazine, as well as to view and download the current 2020 Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory, as well as you can listen to previously broadcast radio shows on the Best of Times Radio Hour. We'll be right back with more information, but now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana and E-Bears Town & Country Ash Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 101.7 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 101.7 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, The Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana and Bears Town and Country Rush Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Kaligas, and I do thank you for listening to our show today. Joining me on my show is a special guest, is Miss Mary Jacobs, who is an author, a consultant, and she's advocating that now might be the right time to launch your own business, and this is especially for women out there. Thank you, Mary, for joining us today here on The Best of Times Radio Hour. Gary, thank you for having me. Really excited to spend some time with you. Well, I do too. And this is an interesting subject. When I when I heard about it, and I heard about, by the way, she's an author of the book. You can pick it up, I'm sure, on googling on Amazon or going directly to her website. Her website is the www.thewomenaccelerator.com, and I'm sure and you can. I'll add- Excuse me? Sorry, Gary. It's, it's the women's, just to make women's, sure. Women's, plural. The women's accelerator, right? Sometimes you forget the S. Okay, yeah. Well, I, I just noticed that if you look at it real carefully, it says women's sexlator. I mean, <laughs> if you don't, if you just leave the women in there, but sorry about that. <laughs> so it's women's accelerator. It's E X C E l e r a t o r dot com and uh, she, she's the founder of this particular website and firm and strategy and consulting and she's been helping uh women entrepreneurs um throughout the throughout the 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 area i'm sure throughout the united states and probably abroad so right right 
Uh, actually, mostly domestic. So, um, but always interested in helping women and men um, wherever they live. So, yeah. especially in our virtual world that we've discovered so much more this year, um, we can do business anywhere. So, so youth. So, I, I, I want you to give them a quote. You say women in their forties, fifties, and sixties may feel vulnerable, right, in getting in a new a new job after they've been laid off. So, what's the good news for them? Well, you know, I've had this conversation, and so I'm so grateful to spend some time with you today because I think with COVID um, lasting longer than most of us would have expected, and, you know, we see the weekly numbers of unemployment rates, which are higher than we would all like. Um, Many, many millions of people have lost their jobs. People are fearful of losing their jobs. And so a lot of the conversations I've had this summer is, gosh, what do I do? And I think women and men who are older, you know, 40s, 50s, and 60s, might feel more vulnerable if they were to lose their job and wonder, you know, could I get hired by a corporation if that's where they work or a nonprofit or a larger organization? And, you know, my message to people is right now that entrepreneurship and starting a business is a really viable option. And so I think it's just a great time for people that maybe have been considering that they want to do something, have maybe had an idea for their own business, that COVID might actually be at this time to really strongly consider and do the research and preparation to see if it is the right time to start a business. And I'm sure, Mary, you've seen in, in the past, I, I'm you know, I'm 70, but I've had a lot of careers and with lots of women. I was a home health care administrator for 12 years, and a lot of those women, I knew they were entrepreneurs. They, they, they might have been nurses, administra- assistant administrators, but I knew they had a niche because they had a hobby that uh, I, I even told a couple of them. One of them was like a gourmet cook. And she would bring meals, and she was a nurse. And uh, I said, you know, her name, her name was Sally. Sally, you should own your own catering company. And she said, no, Gary, you know, it's being steady, being an Orient nurse. I don't know if I want to take that chance. Well, she ended up three years later after telling her that, deciding with her husband to start their own catering business. And they were extremely successful, beyond belief. And uh, I, she I said, she said that I instilled to her husband never wanted. She said, "I'll just enjoy cooking." And she was a fantastic cook. I mean, she brought us some meals to our to our staff. There, it was like, wow. And uh, and you know, she was testing recipes. She was telling me too one time. So, but but again, there's they're they're out there, right? They're out there, and just they, they sometimes they need a nudge, correct? They do, and they need encouragement from people like yourself, people like me. They need mentors. Um, Especially if someone knows what they're drawn to. So when you use your example, Sally, as your, as your friend, as someone who was really good as a professional as a nurse but also had, you know, an interest in cooking. Um, so so people should be attracted to what they like to do, like what gives them passion, what do they think about in their off hours. When I do a lot of my work with women in professional services firm, oftentimes they've had a position as a sales leader or marketer operations um, and oftentimes they'll start a business based on that work experience, but not everybody does. So some people, like your friend there that you mentioned, are really good at something else with a lot of passion for it, and that's maybe the path that they want to look at. So people that right now are thinking, should I think about it seriously? I would say absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm going to hate to use myself as an example. I've, I've had a lot of career paths, and at 50 years of age, I decided to be a publisher and a radio show host. Before that, I was not in anywhere near that particular area. Did not write, did not go to journalism school. Uh, but I had an interesting fall in the lap scenario, and my wife thought I was crazy <laughs> to start a new career. 
and uh, we've been doing it for 20 years now. We've been, I've enjoyed it. I mean, I've touched a lot of people. We've done very well in financial, but it's also feel good. It's a feel good thing owning your own business. You know, before I did not own my own business, so it was like it's it's feeling good. I mean, really. I was telling people, and I had somebody ask me, she's 50, but starting her own business. I said, well, listen to the show. This this is an expert, but I'm speaking for myself. You know, the 50s are people at even 50s or 60s are are young at heart, you know, right? Mm -hmm. They're they're not over the hill, and they don't need to retire that early. I mean, some people, I'm going to sit around and retire and be on my my sofa and and watch, you know, soap operas and movies. I mean, really, that's going to get boring after a while. Right, even in this COVID time, it's quite boring. I mean, I'm I'm glad I office out of a home. I could continue working and do things and still watch movies and still, you know, I'd have to go a lot out. But uh, so that I hate to go off the trends, but but again, I, I want you to focus and tell the people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, even 70s, uh, women and others could start their own business, and there are a lot of opportunities out there throughout the, throughout the United States. And research also proves that people starting businesses later on in life who are more established, um, who have a different level of maturity and work experience, probably some money in the bank, are better prepared to build a viable long-term business because there's a number of businesses that start and stop, you know, sadly, within a year or within a five-year span. And so if you're a, a younger person, and there's so many successful young people too, so, you know, the gamut, 20s, gosh, even teenagers right now, are entrepreneurs and doing very, very well. But what I like and, and the work that I do as someone who's also in her 50s is um, is really being able to focus on what's your path, what's the journey, and having a plan. And probably, Gary, when you talk to people, you talk about the importance of writing a business plan and, and really building strategies so that you're successful. And there are a lot of people that have an idea. They can write it on the back of a napkin or they can have a conversation and they can launch a company. But a lot of the work that I do is to really impart on people the importance of having a plan and really drawing it out so you've got a roadmap and you've set milestones and you've got things that you know that you're really achieving. That's your goal, right? So whatever that milestone might be, like what's the first 30 days or first six months going to look like? Um, I think if you can set yourself up for success in the long term, you're going to build a long-term successful company. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that is critical and I've even talked to people about um, buying existing business. You need to have a, a, a roadmap, your plan. You, you might know what it's doing now, but where do you want to take it? And that's what happened to us in our in our pur- purchasing the Best of Times magazine. I mean, it was a very – I actually acquired it by accident <laughs> because the, per- the two people that were doing it were both gravely ill and happened to contact me and said, you know, I know we noticed that you're looking – uh, how about, you know, consider taking over? And I'm, I said, you know, that's something I've never done. And the, they did a little training with us for like three months, and my wife and I have been taking it. And my, again, I came home and told my wife, Tina, I'm, I'm going to be a publisher. And she said, what, what are you talking about? Uh, you know nothing. You barely can type. You just use spell check on WordPerfect. So you barely know. I said, hey, we don't have to write a lot. Uh, and But, it, you know, it's blossomed from eight pages now to 48 pages. And we've been doing it, Glossy Magazine, for, again, almost 20 years, 21 years. So it's been it's been very, very good, successful. But, again, you need to have a roadmap. And then first we got it, you know, we, we, we made a plan, a three-year plan and a five-year plan. And we kept expanding and doing things. And, 
And uh, it, you, you definitely, you're right. You got to tell people whatever it's you start a new business, acquiring. You got to have a, you got to have a game plan. Here's a question that one of my listeners, uh, we were talking about. I'm glad you're on the show. Uh, she is interested. She got laid off from a large company, and she doesn't. And she's uh, 58, and she says, "Well, Gary, I've got a lot of cash stored away for retirement, but I don't want to retire. What is your feelings about?" Franchises. You know, there's so many franchises available, and she's been looking up. I think there's a Inc. magazine, whatever it's called, uh, about mm-hmm. getting into some franchise. What What is your pluses and minuses about a franchise? You know what? I I'll, I'll just say personally, I tend to work with women that start their own practices. You know, kind of pivoting from their corporate work experience into their own business. Um, I don't do as much work with people that are buying the franchises, although I personally believe it's a really viable option. Um, I'm a fan of Inc. Magazine. There's some really great magazines out there, and so she's probably looking at recent issues of, you know, of Inc. because they come out with their fastest-growing 5,000 small businesses, too. I would say full exploration, right? And there are some experts in that industry that can guide people if a franchise purchasing a franchise is the right option for you, I would explore that. If she doesn't think that she wants to start a business kind of from scratch, you know, if she doesn't want to start her own consulting practice or training practice or whatever that might look like, but the idea, because she's got the resources to actually buy into a franchise is appealing, I would full-on explore that um, and know what's your risk tolerance, too, because I think that's really key because you, you probably don't want to go through half of your retirement savings. Um, buying a franchise if you feel like it's risky, riskier than what you're ready for. On the other hand, when you look at all that information that they should provide to you as the consulting, as the, you know, the head franchiser that's trying to sell off, um, you know, take a look and talk to other business owners too that are a part of that franchise that you're looking at because you should be able to have a good exploratory conversation with them about their experience and how much money they're making. Because we should all know that we're going into business to make money. Right to and and being comfortable, you can make a lot of money or you can make a you know money that you're comfortable. But I don't think you want to go into business to be a charity. I think I think that just we, we got to be smart about why we go into business and why in, we invest our own savings or retirement and the like. But you know, if she's got that percolating right now because she's been laid off at 58 and she's starting to think maybe that's what I want to do is be my own boss. I am fully on board with that. That people should take a look at all of the options that appeal to them. But again, it's a risk. The the other positive, which in years ago, uh, maybe before I I was get the best of times, I looked at some franchises, and those people really have their act together. I mean, they give you the yeah. plans, you just fill in the blank, and they have you you pay for support. They give you support initially for your your investment. So I mean, it's twenty years ago that I looked at them, so I'm sure they've changed a lot now. I mean, there there was some pretty pretty remarkable. Uh, support. I mean, you know, they're going to get their money back too, but still, that's it's they're not cloning themselves. That's what I call it, cloning themselves. Uh, and uh, so let's go. Let's go back to because I know my listeners out there are saying this. Mary needs to tell us what do you see in future trends for women starting their own. What's the what's the trends? Are there certain you things you've seen throughout the United States? We're seeing more and more women, especially in their 50s and older, that are starting businesses, and they're building businesses at higher rates um, than, let's say, a a white male, um, and they're building sustainable, long-term, successful companies. So I think that's that whole idea of I've I've got work experience. I've probably got some money in the bank. I've got a professional network, so I could start a company because I can, you know, 
talk to my network and find out if I've got a viable business product or service. I tend to work more with women that are opening service type firms, but products are excellent too. Um, so the trend for sure is women, more women are opening, uh, more women and minorities are opening at higher rates. I would say one of the things um, that continues to be a challenge, but it feels like it's improving, is access to venture capitalists. So not everybody has money to start a business. And so one of the biggest challenges, I think, for women that need some seed money to get started, particularly if you're selling products, is where do I find money? And historically, women have not had the same access to venture capitalists as men have. But that trend, you're seeing more and more women, venture capitalists, that are starting their own corporations and businesses so they can back other women-owned small businesses. Oh, so that's okay. good. I mean, I think that's a, a movement. So in the right these direction. are in, individual entrepreneur consultants that have those contacts. So uh, let's say if somebody has a product they want to introduce or even a startup business, these these ladies who have their new firm consulting company can, can seek out uh, money from various people that they've known before, both individuals well, and companies. What I would say – you know what? I'm sorry, then. Let me clarify. So what I would say, then, is that if someone has a professional services firm, let's say it's a consulting or a training practice, mm-hmm. they probably don't really need startup money. I mean, and what they need would probably be more an investment in their marketing, so building a good website, some marketing material. So some of those basics, and that could be like a three to $5,000 investment. Sure. Let's say someone wants to develop a healthcare product because, Sally, your friend who's the nurse might actually have an idea because she's been in healthcare good. for 20, 30 years. Um, and wants to build a product, and she needs money and funding to back that up, that's when I think that's when I go and talk to a, either a bank for a bank loan or to find venture capitalists that will financially Oh, okay. Them. I see what you're saying. Yep. But if someone is going off on their own as you know a consultant, more like as a, a one-person company in the beginning, um, I don't know that they need a lot of money. I, I don't really say go out and find a bank loan. And there are plenty of places, you know, banks in your area, right, that will – be the advisor as well, the financial advisor. Typically, though, I think services firms tend to take their own money, their own investment, and get started versus products where they actually might need more capital to get started. That's true. We get double into the subject again. I want to mention that uh, Mary is the founder of Women's Accelerator, and she's the author of a book called Sales Strategies for New Women Entrepreneurs, Successfully Transitioning from Employee to Entrepreneur. So we've been talking a little bit about the future trends that you see for women starting their own business. So I like that we were we ended the last segment dealing with healthcare inventions, products. I mean, there are a lot of a lot of products, not just healthcare, that that people might be themselves developing, a friend or form their own little company, maybe that that they're they're entrepreneurs, right? They they are and probably have like an eye towards opportunity that others can't see. And, you know, those kind of niches. Um, and those are the ones you were saying that might need to get access to the capital to help produce, market, you know, uh, get the manufacturing, everything else. But those other ones that might be just individual consultants, I mean, I I remember um, uh, I, uh, I'm in my, in my um, let's see, what year was that? <laughs> Many years ago, I dealt with another healthcare professionals in a medical review capability, where these individuals ended up forming their own uh, audit companies, and they were they were entrepreneurs. They're all women, 
and they decided independently to do instead of doing it through my company, which did it for Medicare and Medicaid, but they decided to do it for private, and it, it ended up doing very well. Ended up doing well, and they were thinking out of the box. They said, "Well, Gary, you know, uh, we cannot within the government agency review private records, but why don't we do it for? Why don't we offer this service?" Of course, there's now big players in that. Many years ago, uh, but these these ladies ended up back in the ninety before nineties. God, it was in eighties. Uh, did that because they saw that opportunity, right? I mean, right. so they're working in the field and they're they're open mind. That's what I love about entrepreneurship. And so, even if someone today isn't thinking, "Oh, I'm not really an entrepreneur. I'm not wired like that," but if suddenly your antenna and your radar is open, and you start to observe things. You know, in your work environment, um, it could be an interaction. You know, someone is in a hospital. I remember when my dad was in a hospital quite a bit, just really paying attention to what was going on in the hospital setting. I'm also a college professor, so I teach sales. So my background, I, I had a long career in sales and sales leadership, and then I teach sales now. And so I'm always trying to find opportunities to bring the real world back into the classroom. And... Um, just being open-minded so that story of those women that started a business because they saw something and it's if, if this time that we're living through right now with covid which appears to be going to lingering for a while we don't know how long right before it really kind of right. normalizes again and if people think if i'm fearful that i might lose my job or i've lost my job and they can take some time to kind of i think set back and reflect about maybe an opportunity that they think that they could start a business i think this is a really good time to 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 be in that mindset. What do you say about people in the hospitality industry? I know a lot of women that have lost their uh, very good positions in the hospitality field, and a lot of them have not been hired back, and they may be a little, I hate to say this, upper in age, and a few of them are telling me that you know they're thinking about doing something, but they don't know if they have enough skills to do anything uh, within our area or in, in, the, in the area. I know of one individual that... Uh, decided to, uh, uh, she didn't start her own business, but she wanted to get experience, and she became a, a home health, uh, not a nurse, home health aide, uh, because that is increasing throughout the land and throughout our, even our area, that everybody's needing people to go to home to take care of the, the mother or father instead of being a grandfather, you know, in home. And that's, um, I'm sure, in, in, you're in Minneapolis, right? That's uh, right. Yep. That's probably increasing exponentially in your neck of the woods as well. So all the, some of the seniors who can't take care of themselves, they're not enough assisted living facilities. Some people can't afford it, but they can definitely afford, you know, uh, taking care of mom and dad or whoever at home that can't take care of themselves. So do you see that? Have you seen that as a trend? I have. And and let me tell you, ironically, my background is in the airline industry. So I oh. work for Northwest Airlines, which is now Delta, for 19 years. Wow. and was affected by a layoff at the age of 42. And that was the start of my journey into entrepreneurship and reinvention. And so when I talk to people right now, and it's been a while, I, I'm now 57, and so I reinvented myself more than once. Since you I sound like you're 24. <laughs> well, that's very nice of you. Thank you. I wish I was. <laughs> but I have a lot of wisdom and a lot of uh, years of, of experience, right? So that's one of the good things. But so I understand what people are going through right now in the airline industry, hospitality oh, yes. industry. It's it's decimated. And, uh, in fact, uh, I, I, we're actually working on a program right now, a startup program for flight attendants and pilots that are interested in starting a business. Because people, 
you have to put on possibly a new entrepreneurial hat. Maybe people have had what I would call the side gig, right? That's mm-hmm. not a term that I've made up, but a side hustle, a side gig where they've been doing something in addition to being a flight attendant or working in a restaurant or a hotel. Um, and maybe they want to look at it uh, harder right now because they have to. You know, they're, they're being forced into situations like that. Um, so I would say don't give up hope. I... I was lucky enough, I was living in Seattle at the time and in a very hot housing market. I could sell my house and made a lot of money on the sale of my house and moved back to the Twin Cities, which was home. But I, I had some time that I could really evaluate what I wanted to do. And that's, I started my own sales training business. That was my first kind of reinvention. Um, and I, I was open-minded towards it. But I, I will tell you, and this is why I spent a lot of time on teaching sales acumen and sales strategy, is that a lot of people are not comfortable selling themselves. Sure. So I feel like I've carved out a niche because I realize that if you can't get comfortable selling yourself, it's going to be hard to sell your company. <laughs> that, right? is, that is true. If, you, if yeah. you can't sell yourself, you're not going to be a good entrepreneur. I mean, you've got to. I mean, I, I wasn't a professional salesman. I had to learn it on the job training as well. But, I, you know, I, I, I'm a good people person. So I ended up, you know, making those sales calls to make ads and sponsorships. And my wife did not want to do. She wanted to do editorial part and layout part. But I was I was the promotional guy. So I did the, the events and so forth. So you you got to sometimes you you might need to get a, a, a group of ladies to form. And when you say entrepreneur, I want you to tell our listeners, it, it may be a group of ladies, a group of uh, friends, a group of uh, that, that might want to get together to form a firm. So you have some backup. I mean, some sometimes uh, when you do it solo, it gets a little precarious, right? It does. And I think what people underestimate, too, so fortunate for you that you had a supportive wife that was in it with you. Inside, inside by sight. Not everybody has that environment with spouse or partner or, or children that support them and they have to go off and do it on their own. On their own. And it's a lonely journey sometimes. It's um, it's harder than people think. It's going to take longer than people think to, to get going. Um, so it's trying to be realistic and kind of level set what it's going to take. But I just think if you have the fabric or you think that you have it, to try it. You can always go back and get a job. Right. It doesn't mean like it, let's say you start an entrepreneurial path where you want to start your own business and you're in a year or two. and You're like, it's just not for me. I miss being around people. I miss, you know, having a stable salary and benefits and insurance. All of that's important. And the uncertainty sometimes until you're really up and running can be more than people want. And so they have to make up their mind if that's the journey that they're supposed to be on. So I always say to people, it start. And if it doesn't work or start as a side uh, side business and see if you can make it grow if your heart's in it. Sure. Uh, and have, then go back. If you it's have not to have that passion, right, right, Mary? You got to have that passion as well. Selling yourself with the passion in, involved. But I'm glad you mentioned that one of those roadblocks is health insurance. And uh, mm-hmm. when we started ours uh, 20 years ago, it was getting switching from being having, you know, corporate insurance, fantastic plans for my wife. And my wife was uh, also uh, at a very, very prestigious. Uh, institution, so she uh, and she was about ready to to leave and retire as well, but she was going to just pare down. So both of us, when we started this, we, you know, our health insurance, we went to private, which was a shocker, but it wasn't that bad. I mean, we made ends meet, but after years and years, and when we got into, I hate to say this, the Obamacare era, that it was like holy moly, uh, you know, it was 
it was like 10 times what we ended up paying initially <laughs> for less coverage. Uh, and it was very expensive. And, you know, that's what a lot of people now worry. Said, How can I afford that? You know, if, I, if I'm already laid up and now I'm getting uh, whatever it's called. I can't remember the thing. The, uh, the, the, uh, once you're unemployed for a while, you get that extra insurance. Oh, and, Cobra? Yeah, Cobra. And they get that Cobra, for a yep. while. And I mean that's expensive too, but uh, a lot of so. What do you think? That's one of the roadblocks and challenges. If if they want to become entrepreneurs, that they got to be real careful about health care insurance. And uh, they do, and funding your own retirement account. You know, when you work oh, for a yeah. company and there's you know a company match or you know a contribution, you can build up your retirement account fairly quickly. So now when you're on your own, you have to fund your own retirement account. You pay yourself. You have to pay unemployment tax or excuse sure. me, not unemployment, employment taxes. You have to be prepared for that, like that organization, too. Um, there's a lot to it. it. It is not for someone who takes it lightly. But if you're planful and you're strategic, I genuinely believe you can make a go of it. If you've yeah. got the right mindset, right, and you've got customers, you have to know who your customers are. If you don't know who's going to buy from you, you can't just wing it. You know, you've just got to know who's going to and what are they going to pay. Who will buy from you and what will they pay? That that is right. That's the two two major factors. So, what other challenges you might want to tell the women and the men out there might be listening about becoming their own entrepreneurs and starting their own business? What are some of the other roadblocks you see? Well, I, I like this phrase because I think it's simple and people respond to it. And women, because I teach primarily women, I teach classes and I've got cohorts and. All the work that I do, and I say it's usually not about competence, but it's about confidence. Oh, and so okay. what I really try to do is work on a term that I uh, developed called the business narrative, meaning what are your three E's? I just try to keep this as simple, and I'm not a hokey person, but I want people <laughs> to be able to remember it. So I said, what are your three E's, which is your experience, your expertise, and your education? Again, for people that are starting services businesses. And... I, a lot of what I do in the beginning, Gary, is to talk to them about their background, their work experience. So, like, take yourself or your wife when you started 20 years ago. If we were working together, we would talk about what did you do in your job? Like, what kind of work experience would you bring to your new company? Um, what kind of expertise do you have? Are you a marketing expert or are you a leader? You know, you've got leadership attributes and expertise. <clears throat> excuse me. Or, um, in, in my case, I've been lucky enough to work with some highly credentialed women that, you know, PhDs, attorneys, doctors, and I also, I mean, the whole gamut, so not everyone is, you know, credentialed on that high end, but they're not comfortable talking about themselves, ever, and it's a pattern that I've seen with women repeatedly, and so the more I taught, the more years I've taught, the more I've seen the consistency of, boy, women are not comfortable talking about themselves, and so I really feel like one of my, my mission in life is to help women get there, like to guide them, um, have them do the work, the exercises, say it out loud, practice it, um, get comfortable uh, talking about your achievements and your successes and own it. Um, and that helps them in a class setting or in a, you know, in a consulting practice, talking back and forth about it, it gets them more comfortable talking about themselves because they're talking about their credibility and their credentials, and that helps them build confidence that they can sell. Well, Mary, I'm just thinking back when I started uh, back in 2000, uh, experience, expertise, and education. Well, you know, I would have it, it would have been a little difficult if I used those three to make the evaluation to start it. Uh, what I told my wife when we, we did it, hey, we'll try it. You know, we'll try it for a year or two years. And if not, I'll go find a, a real job at 
52, 51, whatever. You know, I'm, I'm still marketable. I was marketable. I I had offers, but then this came late in the late in our our lap, and I said, I just can't pass this up. I got to try this out. So it's I'm an I'm a and the other uh, education you were saying, I've got an interesting background because I have a engineering background. I'm a professional uh, communications engineer for many years before I came into the healthcare field. So I, I have healthcare healthcare education as well as engineering and you know systems analysis and all that kind. So I've got the out of the box kind of syndrome here. So I've, I've put it to use in anything I've ever done. I don't want to talk about myself, but I'm just telling you out there, people question when I started this, is you have no experience in being a publisher in, in education. And I said, hey, you don't have to be. You can learn things pretty quickly. Uh, it's, that's not, you know, it's not rocket scientist. I'm not doing brain surgery. Uh, you know, isn't that right? you got that basic I, I skills. Say, you got some of the skills, you, you know, exactly. skill set, the learning skill. You can learn quickly. Well, and I'll bet because you knew at 50, 51, if, if you tried it and it didn't work out, you knew you could go back and get a job, right? So right. that that was an option. What I say to a lot of people, especially because, of course, I've got a lot of friends in their 50s, and, and I'm certainly 40s too, but a lot of friends in the 50s and 60s that are now like, gosh, if I work for a company for a long time, big company, and I lose my job, is where am I going to get another big job? Well, I, I say the small, mid-sized sector, especially the small business sector, that's where the jobs are. And mm-hmm. they don't care how old you are. They care that you can make a difference in their business. Right. And, and, but if you've worked, you know, for a bank, Wells Fargo, let's say, for 25 years, right, and now suddenly you're, you're caught up in a reorg and you've lost your job uh, or any kind of a big system, and as we've aged, you know, we're not the hot, young, up-and-comer. We're not the leader <laughs> in training. We've probably had successful careers, um, and we're more expensive. And sometimes we might be a little bit more at risk. Hopefully they do the fair thing, right, that it's not an ageism. Uh, they lose their jets, so sometimes it might be. Whatever factors are taken into account. But at any rate, if someone doesn't want to reinvent themselves as a entrepreneur and take on the risk of starting a business, maybe they want to go work for a small business and be a really valued employee. And I, I think when people are in a panic mode, um, when they lose their job at a, a little later, especially mid-50s and older, that's a viable option to go go look in the small business market. And Because I always say to they that they don't know how to find you, and you don't necessarily know how to find them. So do the work and find them. I so want to uh, plug your book again. It's called Sales Strategies for New Women Entrepreneurs, Successfully Transitioning from Employee to Entrepreneur. And her website is www.thewomens, that's plural, accelerator.com. So, and we were continuing about small companies hiring uh, uh, aged, senior, experienced people that might be laid off. Well, that is definitely true. I've, I've seen some statistics from my friends at AERP that have showed me that, that more and more uh, small companies that might have millennials that have started them, et cetera, want to get uh, seniors in there with experience to come help them, and they're hiring them. And you see that that scenario too. I have, and for, I think AARP, by the way, is an outstanding organization. I just love the work and the research and the encouragement they provide. Um, and I'm an AARP member myself, so right. I look at their site regularly. And I, yeah, I would say. You know, a lot of people are skilled, they have a business idea, right? They're really, if they're an inventor or, or let's just say they're in a consulting, they're, they're a skilled practitioner, um, but they may not have a marketing or sales background. And so 
rounding out their business and their own skill set, hopefully they're going to look to hire someone that's better at things than, than they are. And so I do think that there's opportunities. I think what we also have to be aware of, too, is how do we interact with the different generations? Because there's so much written about that, right, about younger people, uh, millennials, um, Gen X, Gen Y, baby boomers and like. Like, how, how do they collaborate and work together, too? So I think you want to be very attuned to what's the culture of the company you're going to go work for. And that's important to, to be happy, right, because if you're the only um, – person over 50 and it's all a bunch of 20 year olds that may not feel like a good fit either so you want to be i think <laughs> right I, I wouldn't be attracted to a company like that because uh, you know I, I just think differently um i would probably want to look at it as an outsider but that's just for me everybody has to know what what works for them um so just being mindful i think corporate culture is really really important when you're uh you know starting over and, and maybe looking at a different kind of a company but, industry to go work but don't you feel that let's say there's a, a small company that's doing okay but they may not have the experience of an individual gentleman or woman that it's been with somebody with corporate or somebody similar or somebody if they join and, and join the organization a part-time or full-time somebody just some of them just wants a part i would tell you that i've heard of many people been laid off recently in their in their in their 50s and late 60s and they just want something to keep them busy. They just don't want to stay at home. They could probably retire, but they want to do something. And, and they would. And I know many people. We have that volunteer entrepreneur system. I can't what's it called. The acronym. Oh, score. Yeah. And there's yep. several uh, volunteers in the area that offer their services free of charge to various businesses. And some accept it, but a lot of them want them coming on full time. <laughs> so, but the, the score doesn't allow it. But they, they'll find some other senior boomer to to join their their group either part-time or full-time basis well and i i think people value a young person who again might have a great idea for a business would value someone who's got you know years of work experience and success and by the way the failures too that mm-hmm. you, you know that that person brings to that organization because they've learned from the failures and don't you feel like we learn as much from our failures as we do from our successes. Oh, yeah. So, and I've been involved with SCORE myself. I was a SCORE client, and then I have been a SCORE mentor um, and workshop facilitator for many years. I think it's a great organization. Um, so there are ways for people to give back and get involved. And SCORE can almost be the equivalent of a full-time job if you wanted to be, because you could be that busy. There's so many startups who are looking for mentorship and looking for people to guide them. But to, to your question, too, Gary, yeah, absolutely. I think you could go work for a company and be successful. I, my my comment the last time, uh, last segment was about just being attuned to corporate culture, right? And is it a good fit? Because you you want to be satisfied when you get right. up and go to work. Um, and so some due diligence. But also, I also get right now some people have to work, and so maybe you're going to go work for a business that maybe doesn't align. You know, years ago, my boss said something to me when I was living in Seattle and he was in L.A. about a bridge job. So let's say you, in, in my case, I left my long airline job and I was trying to figure out what am I supposed to do. And he said that next job is probably your bridge job. It's not necessarily what you're supposed to do long term, but it gets you kind of there. It's, it puts you on your path. Um, so someone might go work for a company for a year or two or three years and may, may not be a good fit, but it maybe that opens up doors to other opportunities. Good, good point there. Okay, before we close, we, we wish we had another hour. Um, time flies when you're having fun. Uh, I know that people are saying, "Gary, I want to, I want to, 
I, I, I want to do with this. He's encouraging me. I think I, I think now that we're looking and uh, you know I've had some roadblocks in finding a new position with a major company, and I want to start my own business. I got my idea. What do you recommend for those individual ladies or men financial resources? They don't have it, but they were, is it readily more available now, even in this COVID crisis, uh, to get them startup money, to get seated and get an SBA loan and all these other type of loans to start their own business or acquire a business? You know, that's a great question. And so you really want to do your due diligence to find out what are your sources, resources to be able to get a bank loan. I don't think bank loans are better or worse in COVID-19. That's just my personal opinion. I'm, I'm not backing that up with research or fact that I've read about. I think if you've got a solid business plan and when you're going for a bank loan, you've got to have a really detailed with your financials, of course, attached because if you're going to get a twenty-five dollars or $200,000 bank loan, they're going to make sure you're going to be able to pay it back. Um, you know, crowdfunding, people raise money online. That's an option. I don't okay. know if people yep. always feel comfortable with that. I think young people tend to do it um, yes, they more do. readily than older people. Family and friends, you know, your own savings, you know, if you borrow against your 401k, which nobody recommends, but for some people that's what they're going to do. I, you, you know, you'll have to know whatever your tolerance for risk is. But I think finding the different resources, but I would always say, you know, take a business plan template, and there are many available out there um, that people can download for free, and really write out your business plan idea, because then it's going to have you look at your marketing strategy, your sales strategy, who are your customers, and probably one of the most important elements is what's your pricing strategy, so that you can be profitable, so you understand, right, what, what your expenses are versus your revenue, and how you're going to end up making, you know, an income, and, and making a living from a small business, but I think there's lots of great free resources out there, and there's lots there of big companies that that have good information as okay. well. One more follow-up to that about the research. And if you're starting something that's new in your particular area, but may be an existing area of Dallas or Seattle, or and there's existing, uh, when I started my uh, when we started our uh, publishing company, I called a few people that had a senior publication in various uh, various parts of the country, and a lot of them gave me great advice just on the phone and didn't even charge me. They were like, welcome to the group. But then after I talked to like three or four, they said, well, you need a Georgia National Association, which I've been a member for, for many years. And that uh, that networking was was well worth uh, the the small amount of dues that I pay, but I got it back 50-fold. Because I got, I didn't have to reinvent the wheel, and I got, gained great ideas in North Carolina, Chicago, Miami. There were like a hundred different publications that we met annually. We chatted, plus we telephoned. So that networking can help you. Whether you you might start something new in your area, but you might want to network and find out if somebody's doing this in other parts of the country. Correct? That is such great advice about the networking part of it. And I'm going to add a caveat, which is this is. I don't want this to sound negative, but I also want it to be kind of a reality check. Sometimes what I see people is fall into this trap of perfectionism. And sometimes they network and they network and then they keep networking and then they don't execute. So you also, (laughs) there's a point where you have to go, all right, it's been six months in development. Now I have to, I have to launch my company. And you could say, oh, I've got to take a meeting, you know, next week with Gary. I've got to take one with Mary. And I can't, I'm not ready yet. Well, you are ready Mm because you've already done your due diligence. So I, I'm fully on board with what you're saying about the networks. That That's wonderful because that can make a huge difference, that advice. And I just also caution people to say just be mindful of that trap of perfectionism and, you know, put yourself, 
give yourself a launch date and then work towards that. It doesn't mean you can't push it out a little bit. Um, but I've seen way, way, way too many women delay because they have to they have to talk to more people. Like, no, you don't. You you have the idea for a business. You know it better than well, anybody. Well, don't does. delay. And I would advocate that when I started mine, we implemented. I mean, we implemented month after we started it. We we started publishing a magazine, got revenue, and that's when we. After that, we started tweaking. That's when I made the calls. After we started tweaking it to make more money and be more efficient, be more productive, et cetera. So I mean it. And I keep learning every day, so I, you know, I still network. So I, you could tweak it, but you definitely got to implement it because it's sad when you call these people and pub, you haven't done your first item. So, well, th- you're probably the best role model for all. Uh oh, uh oh. But again, thank you for joining us today. You were fascinating. I'm, I'm glad we got the opportunity to have you on our radio show. I know you're going to be helping thousands of people in the area. And best wishes to you. Keep in touch. And again, her website is www.thewomensaccelerator.com. So, thank you, Mary, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Thank you, Gary. It's my pleasure.